I live in a fairly small college town in Pennsylvania, Indiana, PA, and I've had people come from miles and miles away because they heard my podcast, which is so cool. People, I've had people walk in the door and they're like, I feel like I already know you. I walked out and I was like, hi, welcome. And I shake their hands and they're like, I already know you. I know your voice. I know you. So really, it's really rewarding. Are you not getting the downloads you desire? Unsure about how to promote your podcast effectively or struggling to monetize your work? Well, you've just found the resource you need. Hi, and welcome to Mike's to Millions, the podcast that brings you exclusive in-depth conversations with top tier hosts in the health and wellness industry to help you grow your podcast. I'm your host, Sam Breakgear, co-founder of Podwritten, a podcast booking agency for health and wellness businesses. In every episode, we dive deep into what it really takes to get more podcast listeners, successfully promote your show and monetize your work. Remember, if you like the show, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us grow and in doing so, we can continue to offer you valuable insights and podcast growth tips. Now, let's get into it. My guest today is the host of Pretty Well, a podcast helping listeners achieve holistic health, digestive wellness and happy hormones. The show receives roughly 3,000 monthly listeners and covers a wide variety of topics in holistic health, from how to slow down aging to how to boost your energy. She's also a dietitian, gut health coach, and nutritionist with master's degrees in nutrition and human biology. She helps her clients achieve radical life-changing health transformations based on small, consistent steps. Lisa Smith, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. My pleasure. I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with you with a couple of my clients in the past, and you're an absolute pleasure to work with, so I knew I had to have you on. And appreciate that. No, all good. And um, yeah, I want to know, so how did Pretty Well first start? Okay, so let me take you back a little bit, Sam. I have a private practice, a brick and mortar private practice called Integrative Wellness Center. And I'm a functional medicine healthcare practitioner who, as a dietitian, I specialize in the nutrition piece of that. And it all started back from when I was seven. My granddad was an amazing surgeon and he helped people with cancer. And when we would go visit him, they would bring the Thanksgiving turkey and the the Easter ham. Literally, they would bring it to his house in gratitude. And they would say to us, grandkids, your grandfather saved my life or your grandfather saved my wife's life. And we are so indebted. And when they would leave Sam... He would turn to us. He was always a teacher. And he would say, I would so much rather help these people prevent this horrible disease than have to try to help them after the fact. And I was in awe. Like, you can actually help people prevent something like cancer. I was just this little kid. And I just knew cancer was bad, very bad. That started to kind of just toss around in my little brain. And then as I got bigger, I continued to think, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to help people prevent horrible diseases. And as I got older, I realized that conventional medicine, when I was in college, I did start pre-med. And I realized at some point that conventional medicine wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go in impacting people's lives. So he was way ahead of his time. He was very holistic. So he was all about diet and supplements and exercise and all the things we do now in holistic health, he was doing that as a surgeon. He was teaching that. And so that's where I landed. I landed as someone who said, oh my gosh, I can help people from 
an epigenetic standpoint from from helping them make good personalized nutrition choices and to know what supplements would work for their body and which lifestyle habits they want to increase or decrease to really have the best life that they can possibly have. I'm going to start a private practice. When I was home with two little kids, I went back to school to be able to do that. And then I opened my private practice, Integrative Wellness Center, and I've been doing that. I've been running that business for several years now. It's growing. I've taken on an associate. She's an RN in functional medicine who's also, so we're growing the amount of people we can see. So it's been very exciting. But a few years ago, I was thinking ahead for the new year and I thought, what can I do to increase my impact? Because when you see one person at a time, it's still not having the impact. I want to have massive impact that people's lives can be transformed and that it's accessible And of course, you know, what did I think? Podcasting, of course, podcasting. So I went into, I had had a team of four people working for me at the time. And I, we were having a a holiday luncheon and just celebrating the year. And I'm thanking them for all they contributed. And I said, hey, next year, I'm going to start a podcast. Who's in? And one of my, my office managers said, I'm in, I'm definitely all in. So she and I had a goal to start July of that next year. And so I did. I put all the pieces in place to get pretty well started. And she was my co-host for about six months. And then she ended up taking a full-time job. She was part-time with me somewhere else. And so now we're still really good friends. But then I just went solo after that. So that's how it all started. Quite impressive. So am I correct in thinking you said around the end of the year, you wanted to do a podcast and then the following July is when you launched it? Yep, about seven months later. So what did those seven months look like? Because that's a lot of preparation. I really admire that. I think that anyone that's looking to start podcasts should give themselves lots of room to prepare beforehand. I want to know, like, what did those seven months look like? So what I did first, thankfully, I have kids who are in their older teens and one's now 18, one's now 20. But our son, who's 18, that was a few years ago, and he's very techie. So I said, read, <laughs> help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's, I said, help me find mics and headphones and whatever this audio interface thing is that I need. Help me figure out what equipment I need. So he did that for me, and he helped me get that. He did all the research and helped me figure out what I needed from an equipment standpoint. And then I started doing lots and lots of research, what kind of platform should I use? What kind of recording software should I use? How do I find music? Um, And then, so what I did was I started watching people who were podcasting well, and I started paying attention to what they were doing. I looked at their description. I listened to their intro. I listened to their jingles. I, and I tried to model after them. You know, Amy Porterfield, she is just a, a, she's a massive force in the world of podcasting and digital courses. And so I really paid attention to what Amy Porterfield was doing because she she's extremely successful. And I really just thought, well, I'm I'm going to just follow someone who's successful and try to make mine kind of like that. And so it's not the same subjects, but I just was like, OK, this is how long her jingle is. This is how long her intro is. This is how what she covers in her intro. And so I just kind of I did that initially. That's what I did. Yeah, I think it's good when you can draw inspiration from people that are A, successful, and B, have been in this game for a long time, because there are certainly people that I look to in podcasting, and I I really enjoy their work, and I like the value that they add into my life, and I kind of want to replicate that. 
So I think that's definitely really important to have. And what did that first year of podcasting look like for you? So you launched in July, from July to the following July. How did that look with regards to how you produce the podcast and, and listeners? Yeah, so having done the homework on the front end made it so much more smooth when I actually launched. So I already had all my kind of my ducks in a row, which helped me once launch day came, my co-host Ashley and I, we literally sat down over the next three weeks and we recorded something like 15 episodes in a row. We would do three one day, three another day, four one day, and we would just keep banking them. We would record them and bank them. So the first couple of weeks, we aired multiple episodes and we really just through word of mouth, it was boots on the ground, reaching out to everyone we knew, all of our followers on social media were like, hey, we're doing something really exciting. You know, check us out, listen, like us, subscribe, and kind of getting it started. It, it just was kind of whatever the next thing was, whatever the next step had to be. So we we had everything in place and we just, I, I outlined a, a content calendar of this is these are the, you know, the the first 15 were episodes that we're going to do. And and then I did all the research for those episodes. And then we did it kind of kind of fun back and forth style. We had so much fun. Yeah. And then just tried to let as many people know so that we could start to get a little traction. Yeah. Doing your homework definitely helps when it comes to a podcast launch like that. And I want to ask how like this relates back to your business, because obviously you mentioned that you have a brick and mortar store. You do some work virtually. Like how has running this podcast helped you? stand out and grow your business. It's really neat. You know, it's been a challenge too. It's been a double-edged sword because it's running a podcast. One of the things that su was surprising to me is how much work goes into it. It's worth it. I'm not discouraging anyone. It's absolutely worth it. But to count the costs, like there's so much work and then my business is a full-time job and then the podcast is a full-time job. There was so much involved in getting that going. But the great news, the other side of that was I've had people book with me. I live in a fairly small college town in Pennsylvania, Indiana, PA. And I've had people come from miles and miles away because they heard my podcast, which is so cool. People, I've had people walk in the door and they're like, I feel like I already know you. I walked out and I was like, hi, welcome. And I shake their hands and they're like, I already know you. I know your voice. I know you. So really, it's really rewarding. You know, it really is when people recognize you because of what you're trying to put out to give people something. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I've heard other hosts explain that where they've said they've met people and they're like, I feel like I know you. So it's really cool that you can project who you are and your own personal brand so far and so wide. And I wasn't expecting that your response would be that people have physically turned up to your place because whenever I think of podcasting, I don't usually think of it as like driving foot traffic to a physical place usually, unless it's like maybe an event I always think of it from like a virtual perspective, but it's fantastic to hear that it's had an impact on your physical business. It has. It's been cool. Now, like no one's come to Pennsylvania from California or anything, but but honestly, from out of town, I guess, you know, word of mouth locally got around enough that it's got into other other regions outside of our region. And then so people have come in from that. So that's really fun. And I'll tell you what else it does for my business, my brick and mortar business, I only get an hour with someone, 45 minutes to an hour on a follow-up. All this stuff that week after week I pour out there, I, I don't have time to go into depth with in, in consultations. So it gives people so much more to take with them that just adds to their wellness. 
yeah, it kind of saves you the trouble of having to like repeat yourself over and over again when you have this like repertoire of all this knowledge and information that you can direct them to on the podcast, I guess, that might make things more efficient for you, certainly. Right. And there's some random things, Sam, that I would just wouldn't even think to talk to someone about. So, you know, I've highlighted different nutrients or different supplements, and I'm not going to just one day start talking to someone and say, hey, so about this spermidine, <laughs> like it just wouldn't come up ever. So for people to be able to dig deeper and get that information, they've, I've gotten so much feedback that people love that because they get more from it. Mm-hmm. You've obviously been running this podcast for like a, a couple of few years now, you mentioned. What are some of the most successful steps? you've taken during this time to promote pretty well? You know, social media has been helpful. Word of mouth has been helpful. I've made podcast postcards with the QR code that people can scan, right? And then just, and literally every time I travel, I take stacks of those. I go into coffee shops. I go into just any kind of establishment where people are hanging out that would be podcasty kind of audiences. I just take stacks and say, can I, can I leave some podcast cards here? And people always say, yeah. And then and then certain business owners, like I've reached out to coffee shop owners and said, hey, can I interview you? Let's talk about you and why you started down this journey. And so really just it's just constantly talking about it with people anywhere I go. If I meet someone new, I'm like, hey, do you listen to podcasts? Oh, I have a great story to tell you. OK, so we uh, this is one way we, we got the word out. We for several years had a place at the Jersey Shore, a little condo, and we just sold it this past summer. But we would go there every summer for a few weeks and just have a great time and then rent it the rest of the time. But this past summer, we went and we went to the boardwalk in Ocean City. And the boardwalk gets a lot of people. And I took all these podcast cards and my husband will walk up to people and say, do you listen to podcasts? And if they said yes, He'd say, oh, you got to check this one out. And we passed out tons of my podcast cards. So my New Jersey numbers have definitely gone up, which is so much fun. <laughs> but can you imagine us walking down the boardwalk? Some people are like, no, get away from me. And then other people are like, yes, I love podcasts. So that's, you know, it's just been being really intentional. So that has been really helpful. I love the podcast um, postcards that you mentioned because that's so enthusiastic and i really like the fact that if you leave them in coffee shops it's quite smart because it's really not too much effort just to put them down somewhere (laughs) like that's such a simple thing you just get them printed out and then you put them out somewhere i've also thought about that myself in the past of like stickers could be a good option but then i thought well i wonder if you give people stickers where would they put them would they put them somewhere valuable Uh, i've often thought about like how you could use uh, physical QR codes. But I think the idea of a postcard's probably the best. Well, thank you. I was driving in the car and my kids were with me and I said, I'm going to make business cards. And then I was like, wait a minute. We always throw business cards away, but you don't throw postcards away. And so I was like, I want to make postcards. You know, my son from the backseat piped up. He said, you should put a QR code on there. And I was like, how do I do that? And he was like, mom, I don't know. Look it up. Google it. <laughs> so I I Googled how to make a QR code, and then that's what happened. But you know what's really nice? A lot of local coffee shops also will let you put that up on their bulletin board. So all someone needs is their camera, and they can pull up the QR code too. I would love to give that a go myself. Obviously, being based in a Spanish-speaking country, it's kind of difficult. But certainly, if I take a trip back to the UK or find myself in the US or Canada, then 
I'm going to steal the idea for sure. Yes, please do. <laughs> Absolutely. I know that I've obviously connected you with some guests in the past and you do accept guest pitches. So when you do receive a pitch from someone wanting to be on Pretty Well, what do you look out for? My business and the podcast, our core value is excellence. So I look first of all, is the pitch done well? You know, is some, does someone care enough to do it well? And then from a guest standpoint, what I'm looking for is somebody who is aligned with holistic health, functional medicine, the things that help us to live better lives. So the whole premise of Pretty Well is that you can take small, meaningful steps and you can transform your life with them. You don't have to do these huge things to transform your life. And so I look for guests who align with that message and have something to bring to the table that has to do with, hey, I'm an expert on these small, meaningful steps that maybe are a little bit different than you are, but I can bring this to your audience and they can get value from it. That makes sense. And I want to know, are there any guests that you've had on which have really stuck out for you and stayed in your memory? And is there a reason why they've stuck out? Well, the two you brought to me. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Great answer. <laughs> Anna Ray and Ali Shapiro. They are, they are wonderful guests. I've had so many wonderful guests, so I don't want to leave anyone out. And I probably go through every single one of them and say, this was great about this person. This was awesome about this person. There's not been a guest I haven't been so appreciative for and grateful for what they bring. But that's the benefit of being so selective, I guess, or, or selecting your guests so perfectly. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. But what really draws me to the guests I've had and what I've loved about them is their enthusiasm, their conviction, their their experience that they've seen lives changed and they're so excited about it. So yeah, that's, that's, you know, those are the kind of guests. That's fair. I also have to say, I feel a similar kind of sensation when I choose the people that I work with, because you need to be able to support them and back them and feel like this person really is making a real impact in the world and they're super passionate and they actually have something to add value for. So I, I feel like maybe a similar sensation when I'm choosing who that I want to work with and help promote. So I can see that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, we all are here for a reason or reasons. And when someone steps into that and they're like, no, this is why I'm here. And this is these are this is how I want to change lives. It's so contagious. And I want those people on pretty well because I want them to be able to share that message and for people to say, oh, I, I need that and be able to get the help they need. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I want to call back to something that I think we spoke about before we actually started recording. What platform are you using at the moment? Yeah, so the platform I'm using now, or have been using all along, it's Anchor, which is now Spotify for podcasters. And I stepped into it because uh, I had known a couple people who were using it and they said to get started, it's free, it's easy, it uploads to everywhere you want to be as a podcaster. And it's, it's intuitive. So for me, I was like, okay, that checks the boxes for me. Since they have shifted to Spotify for podcasters, I'm having a real problem with it uploading to Apple Podcasts. So I'm having to re-upload every single episode. So every episode is on my episode list twice. And it is exceedingly frustrating. I've been asking people, what platform do you, do you like? And I'm at the very, very early stages of researching that and then thinking, oh, how much work is this going to be? And, you know, because it's just, you know, your time is so valuable. And 
I'm sure you, this resonates with you, but like as an entrepreneur, you're literally, your mind is always on your business or businesses. It's always on it. You know, why is this not working? How can I make this better? You know, how can I have more of an impact? How can, you know, I benefit people? Like it's just, it's always going. So when something is broken or feels broken, it's just a little frustrating. It's another thing to add to the to-do to do list, which is, as an entrepreneur, always very long already. Right. It's never finished, which is okay. We know that. We sign up for that. But yeah. you don't want to add the unnecessary things on there. No. So, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So if you have any platform recommendations, please, I'm all ears because I'm pretty, pretty frustrated with the one I got right now. That's fair enough. A lot of the podcast hosts I talk with, I always ask them this because I'm just interested to see what they chose, why they chose it and how they liked it or how they like it. Libsyn comes up a lot. Um, I've also heard uh, Podbean as well. Um, I'd say Libsyn's probably the one that's come up the most. So, so far, that seems to be the winner, I think, out of all the hosts that I've spoken to. I'll, I'll keep you posted. That's great. Have you heard of Captivate? Someone recently said, oh, you have to switch to Captivate. And then, of course, they said, and here's my affiliate link. And I was like, <laughs> um, I don't know anything about them, so I'm not going to get myself into a stuck situation again unless I research yeah. them. That's the last thing you want, swapping and swapping and swapping. Right. Uh, I have not heard of Captivate. Uh, I will look into them. And also, having spoken to so many podcast hosts, essentially my aim is to speak to all these hosts, understand what platforms they use and why they pick them. And then I would love to put out a resource, like a blog, um, kind of just like analyzing all the data I've gathered from asking this question. Oh, that's a great idea. You could put as a lead magnet out a workbook. Yeah. Like a little like checklist or workbook, and then it would be a lead magnet. That would be awesome. Yeah, I've thought about in that sense. Also, maybe some affiliate program as well for whichever one seems to be the winner. Uh, but yeah. It's to be decided. I ha I have to interview quite a few people before I can really come to a conclusion, I think. That makes sense. So it might be something later in the year that I produce, but it's definitely on my mind. Uh, much like you said, as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking, uh, what can I do next or what's, what's the future? Yeah, what's that next thing, right? Yeah, no, that's awesome though. Yeah. I do want to know before we go, um, a couple of questions on advice, really. What do you think it takes, Lisa, to create a successful podcast in your opinion? I think it takes the passion to want to make that impact because you got to know your why. I think it I think it goes back to what is your why? You know, when you're in business, they say to grow your audience, the big thing is to have some sort of vehicle, whether it's audio like a podcast, written like a blog, or video like YouTube, you know, you should have some vehicle. But that's not enough to carry you because the going does get tough, you know. So when the going gets tough, you got to go back to your why. What's your why? Why are you doing it? And if you're wise, I want to have an impact. I want to help people. And I could use this, you know, down the road to monetize, or I could use it down the road as a segue into some other business. That's awesome. But I really think you got to have your why buttoned up. And when you do, then also just be be willing to kind of weather the ups and downs of it because there are times you go, oh my gosh, my like the listeners are, are, my growth is dropping. And then you go, oh my gosh, my growth is growing. Like it's, it's a roller coaster. So to be able to ride the roller coaster and be okay with it and not get too stressed. I did in a podcast interview of, I mentioned him, the coffee shop owner. And I said, what's one thing you wished your younger self had known? He has a very, very successful um, six location coffee shop now. Um, most of them in Pittsburgh. 
but some here. And he said, you know, there are so many steps along the way. I thought I had failed. I had to close a shop. You know, this didn't pan out properly or that. And I thought I had failed and I would just get so, so down on myself. He said, I wish now I look back and all those steps along the way, they were necessary for me to get here. They were part of the path. And I wish I just would have been easier on myself. They weren't failures. They were stepping stones. I try to keep that in my mind. I don't always practice what I preach, but I really do try to keep that in mind too. Like this is all part of the path just be okay with it. Yeah. I think that that's such a good way of looking at life. And I usually ask my guests, what's one piece of advice that you would want the listener to take away from this episode? And I still want to pose that question to you, but I think I might do it a little bit differently given what you said. So if you could go back in time and speak to your former self back at the start of that year that you got into podcasting before Pretty Well ever launched, what would be the one piece of advice that you would tell yourself? Hmm. I think it's the one I just said, Sam, because I, I haven't always practiced what I preach and I still, I don't know that I will tomorrow, you know, if things drop, you know, it's just be okay with the process. Just be okay with it. My goal is to always put out consistent, valuable content. So if I'm doing that part, I guess I'm always thinking I need to do something bigger or better. And to be able to say, it's okay where it is, just be okay with it. So I'm still honestly, like I'm in the messy middle of that. I I'm, I still try to work on that because I'm, I'm so far from there, but that's it. It's to just try to, you know what, what you're doing is good. Just be okay. We'll be good with it and keep, be happy with it. And don't, don't stress yourself out and beat yourself up. I think that's fair advice. There's fair adli- advice for everything in life. I would say podcasting uh, and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would say, uh, of course, anyone listening uh, pretty well, go check it out. Go leave a rating review uh, and yeah, and have a listen. And at least if people do want to connect with you directly or keep up with the work you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way for them to get in touch with me, I guess, you know, I have two different hats that I wear, Sam. So probably the very best way right now would be to reach out to my to go onto my website, either integrativewc.com, that stands for Wellness Center, integrativewc.com, and there's a place you can send a form for an email or to email me at Lisa. So it's Lisa at integrativewc.com. Fantastic. Well, I'll include links to those in the show notes so people can access it more easily. But otherwise, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today and best of luck with your journey. You're doing great. Don't worry. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on today. It's been a delight. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, you can find more helpful resources to grow your business with podcasting on our blog at podwritten.com and on Instagram at podwritten. You can also find a full transcript for this episode on our website, so be sure to visit podwritten.com or follow the links in the episode description. Until next time, stay healthy, happy, and successful.